Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Matt Bernstein. You might know Matt from their social media presence, from their influencer status, or from their very accessible, very informative graphics and content that they create and circulate on the internet. Matt is really someone I admire a lot. And I've been wanting to have a conversation with Matt since the moment I discovered him. So today we finally get to do that. We talk about all kinds of stuff and I really don't even need to preface it with anything because it's a lot of wonderful conversation topics and a lot of really deep, deep (laughs) observations. (laughs) trying to say. Oh, you'll find out soon on this new episode of Hijinks. So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new Hijinks. M. Oh. M. Mom. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by makeup artist, internet personality, activist, advocate, and host of the A Bit Fruity podcast, Matt. Bernstein. Hi, Matt. Hi, Jinx. I wanted to say that for a very long time. (laughs) Now, I waited until we were recording so that everyone can hear the answer to this. Is it Bernstein? Bernstein? It is Bernstein, yes. Bernstein, okay. Is it like Berenstein Bears, like 20 years from now? We're going to all remember it differently. (laughs) (laughs) I have gotten that my whole life, and... um, yeah, it, it's always been, wherever I go, it's always, oh, like the Bernstein Bears. And at this point, I'm just like, yes, just like the Bears, except there's not a bear. Except the way I me. said it. And yeah, right. <laughs> except the way I said it and not like that at all. Um, <laughs> Matt, okay. I have so many questions for you about so many different things, but I want to start with, you are an influencer. <laughs> 
That's um, that is the word for the kind of activism, advocacy work that you do through social media outlets. Now, for me, I don't like to think of myself as an influencer. I like to think of myself as an artist with a platform because I honestly don't want to influence anyone because I barely trust myself. But (laughs) I do try to share the messages I believe in from my platform. Now, you are an influencer. And I say this because you put in the work to create accessible, like, accessible social media content that does the job of informing people and breaking down myths and lies. And so, you know, you're kind of a philosopher. You communicate in memes. You communicate in um, really kind of like accessible anecdotes. And a while ago when a lot of the right-wing bullshit was really like taking an upswing. I was like, where are our allies? Where are all the straight people in Hollywood and in media that have been, you know, you know, getting kind of famous off of their gay friends, like teaching them what's cool, making them look good, uh, being their like sidekick in things, you know? It felt like a lot of straight people kind of just abandoned us. And I said, maybe it's because they don't know how to have the conversation. And this is when, a, like, literally the universe, like, then introduced me to you online. And like I said, you create these really accessible, um, accessible content that informs and educates. And I started sharing your stuff right away. And then I started seeing that lots of people share your stuff. And then I looked at how many followers you had. (laughs) And I was like, okay, Matt has been doing this a while. So tell me how it began. Sorry for that long, 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 long. I just really wanted to put it into context that you do something special. And I want to know how you got there. Well, first of all, thank you. And... (laughs) I I love how I love how you say like you're an influencer like it's an accusation. <laughs> well, it's such a loaded term and people my age still don't fully understand it. Imagine people 20 years older than me. They're like uh. <laughs> I know it's just such a charged word. I mean, it's like I you know, I saw Goody Proctor influencing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um but let's I, I, let's call it what it is. There's a lot of influencers sure. who are selling products, and you're sure. and you're perpetuating education. You're perpetuating information. You're not selling a product. I kind of like. I want to know what Matt gets out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that I want to say before I say this all the time, and mm. people who people who have listened to me speak before are annoyed by me saying this, and I'm sure. <laughs> But like, I really don't consider myself an activist. Um, I consider myself a person who posts things on the internet like you and like anyone listening to this. Um, you know, and, and maybe some people might think that that's a cop out, but I've always just thought of myself, um, especially in the last few years as someone who I have ideas and opinions about, you know, the things that I feel well researched on and whether that's gay issues or <clears throat> Britney Spears. Like, I just... <laughs> 
I, I try to lend my voice to things that I think I'm I'm apt at talking about and um yeah. and and it's it's fun for me and it's creatively fulfilling. So you ask what's in it for me. I mean, it's like this. Well, to the uh, taking it back to the beginning. Let's I go started, back. I've yeah. thrown so much stuff at you. Yeah. Okay. First of all, that's just let's start the conversation with. The word influencer is charged. So we've talked about that. Now let's start at the beginning and work our way up to now. <laughs> sure. So I went uh, to college. At- <gasps> Gasp. I went to college. Um, queer people, I-, I say drag queens, but queer people in general love to bring up that they went to college. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what's funny for me is that like, I, so I studied marketing and photography, like, you know, like a lot of, a lot of little gay boys growing up, like Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to work in fashion, Yeah, which is very funny because I don't know how to dress. (laughs) I, okay, but go on. (laughs) I, I, I I wear like, I'm always on the scale between like mom jeans and sweatpants and, and uh, a black Honey, when you're a size zero, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) (laughs) Well... So, but I was studying and um, this was, I mean, I'm 24. And so when I was in school, it was during um, kind of like the rise of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And I was, yeah, I was living in New York and um, I was 18, 19. And I was coming into myself as like a queer person mm-hmm. because I was raised... My parents were always very accepting that I was gay, but it was um, it was very much a, like you can be gay, but we don't really want to like see it. We don't want you know. Please don't become someone that we could imagine like attending a pride parade or something like you know. Which is very funny because I look at myself now with the nails and the makeup, mm-hmm. but like that was that was the issue in my household. It was less. I mean, they were like you know, and I love my parents, and they, they've by the way come an extremely long way. Um, yeah. They're my best friends. But. Yeah, you've. I've seen you post about your parents, and 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 it's sweet. It's it, it seems like you have a family, it, 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 coming a long way. You know, like I can relate to that. My family yeah. didn't start out perfect. I didn't start out perfect. We all had to educate each other. You know, right, right. <laughs> and 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 it's hard because you see. I mean, I I don't. I want to. Um, I like showing my parents. Not because I want to exploit my family for content, but because I think it's I think it's nice for people to see, like, especially right now with things going the way that they are. I think it's nice for people to see a queer person with who gets along with their family. Um, and and you know, but so in college, I was coming in to I, for the first time. I didn't have that voice on my shoulder to be like, you know, don't get too feminine, don't get too mm-hmm. flaming. <laughs> and so finally, I started exploring that side of myself and the way that it made me feel and the way that it positioned me socially in public and, you know, presenting as queer, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then all this stuff is happening with the Trump administration and online the right wing is getting super, super emboldened um, mm-hmm. as a result of, you know, Trump and Pence. And so I just started, like, putting things on the internet and it was way less polished and honestly it was not, like, I'm not going to say my content is super smart. I'm not going to talk about my content. <laughs> but in that way, because I don't like to... <laughs> I don't know. I don't like to think that I'm... 
how dare you grow over time? How dare yeah, you not start yeah. on the internet perfect and galvanized at 18, 19? <laughs> yeah, right? That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say, is that I grew. Yeah. And at the beginning, it was a very elementary version of what it is now. But um, that was like four or five years ago. And um, yeah, I mean, there was no moment where it was like people decided to to start like following me or listening or whatever. It's just been a very slow thing over time. And kind of I don't know I never expected this and um sometimes I get wild imposter syndrome about what I'm doing here but here I am no less so that's how it came to be you know what I want to hear what you know what I want to say um listening to what you just talked about is that I actually think the way you look at what you're doing on the internet (laughs) the way you kind of keep it grounded and keep yourself grounded with it. That's why you do it well. I think that's what the reason why I wanted to have the conversation about what you do under the umbrella term influencer is because I have spoken out a lot on celebrities who kind of get famous for the sake of being famous. Celebrities who kind of don't have something to offer beyond I'm a celebrity (laughs) and without naming any certain famous influential families whose last name begins with a K, you know, I, I don't have to say who these people are. We all know that there are people who are just kind of famous for the sake of being famous. Now you do the work and that's what I want to just stress and While you can remain humble and grounded, I want you to hear that I see you doing the work. And that's the big thing. And that's why your content gets reshared so much and reposted so much because you do the work ahead of time. You know, like lots of people are right out the gate with their opinions. What I appreciate about what I appreciate about you as someone who posts things on the internet is it always it always reads authentically like you care about the subject you put time into researching and critically thinking about the subject and you like weighed your opinion you challenge your own opinion you know like you As you scroll through your carousels, each point has been addressed. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. So much these days, like people want people to immediately respond. What happened to taking the time to understand the situation first? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that's... And let me think about what I want to say about that Well. This is topical, but it's also it's topical, but it's also timeless. You know, (laughs) exactly. It it is. It's kind of it's kind of evergreen, even though it feels very pointed right now. Um, (laughs) Listen, you could talk about now. We could cut all of this, but the thing is, yeah, I believe in this. I want. I I believed in what I just said in regards to how you posted about the Barbie movie. So we could be talking about the Barbie movie, Matt. Like, but if you want to talk about current events, we can, and then we can move on. Otherwise. You know, like, this is something I think that's evergreen for you in your work. So don't feel well, pressured. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. And that means a lot. And, like, this is this is what I'm saying and, like, why I don't, why I don't 
call myself an activist and also why I try to imagine myself um, as, you know, the, the thing that I that I don't like about the word influencer, and I promise I'm gonna stop with all of my like <laughs> ca- career title grievances. Like it's like, <laughs> enough. It's, like it's like it's like enough. Like who gives a shit? But, <laughs> but I all of these words. I, I I really do like the word creator because all of these other words like influencer, activist, whatever, they convey um, at least unto me like a position of authority and superiority that I don't want and that I don't think I deserve and that I don't think I'm uh, equipped to to you know to carry mm-hmm. um and and I really do believe and I've been trying to make this clearer in the last year I have a whole lot of interests and um and I, and some of them are more pressing in in daily life than others and so you know for a long time I thought that the the only way to like talk about things that you cared about online were like to talk about you know real hard hitting politics all the time and and I do a lot of that and people will ask me if that's difficult or if it's like oh well you have to you know always know what's going on and stay on the pulse and isn't that exhausting and I think for most people it is I genuinely enjoy it mm-hmm. for the most part like of course everyone gets tired of watching the chaos ensue in the United States of America and the world. But like, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I like processing information. I like learning new things. Mm-hmm. And that's the heart of why I do what I do is because I, it's, I try to make content that I would enjoy consuming mm-hmm. because like my favorite thing to do when I'm not making stuff and working is listening to podcasts um, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that because I'm on a podcast or because I just started my own. That sounds like a, that sounds like a really disgusting way to start promoting your own show. No, hush. I hate podcasts. You, like everyone, like there's no right way to be a podcaster. I don't hate podcasts. I just never listen to them. No, know? I, and I know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of podcasters who, who don't listen to podcasts. That's not me. I listen mm-hmm. to at least a podcast every single day. Um, because and then I start, you know, developing parasocial relationships with the people I listen to. And that's, that's, that's part of why I love it. But mm. no, I mean, I just, and, and I especially like, po- like my favorite podcasts, uh, two of my favorite podcasts over the last year have been You're Wrong About and Maintenance Phase. Mm-hmm. And they're both these shows that do these like deep divey looks into, you know, a historical event that we processed maybe partially incorrectly as a country or mm-hmm. um, a wellness trend that's like totally based on bullshit. And like, I just love learning about this stuff. Um, and so, like I said, like my interests are varied. And also, like I said, like something that I post about kind of a disproportionate amount is a Britney Spears yeah. because, well, because I'm a faggot and I love Britney <laughs> Spears, but also because I, think that like and this is you know my read of her and my interest of her lays in the fact that I think she at any given point during her career has like held up a mirror to American culture and what they think about like women and girlhood and sexuality and fame and bodies and all of this stuff and so it's like I share that obviously hoping that it'll resonate with people. Sometimes it does. Sometimes people are like, I only followed you for this thing or why aren't you Mm -hmm. talking about that thing? And I'm like, guys, you know, I talk about things that I find interesting. And if you find them interesting too, that's great. And if not, then like there's a whole host of other people making really great content about things that you might find more interesting. So that's where I sit with it. 
I want to relate to you on a few points. Um, I hope that was coherent, by the way. <laughs> all of it was coherent. And like, it really launches my brain into a few more questions. <laughs> this is why the, I, I told you, I don't really listen to podcasts. Some podcasts I listen to because they're just on in my house. I, that's why I like living with lots of people. <laughs> I live with lots of people by choice, not because, you know, like people how many, think I'm. <laughs> how many people do you live with? <laughs> there's three people in the main house. <laughs> and then there's what? a tiny house in the backyard with a fourth person in it. But usually their partner's there too. So it's about five people are on the property at any given point. <laughs> well, my property is a one bedroom apartment and it's just me. So, you know what's and- funny is like, and we're, we're going to talk about this eventually too. But like when um, All Stars 7 was gearing up, they like did a, you know, they did a YouTube series, Portrait of a Queen, getting a glimpse into our life behind the scenes and stuff. And one of the comments that just kept cracking me up is like, I was given a tour of my house and all my different housemates were walking by and then like an assistant was over too. So there was just like a lot of people and they were like, God, I I feel so bad for Jinx. She won Drag Race in 2013 and she can't afford to live alone. And I'm like, <laughs> I love living with people because, yeah, yeah, and it's a part of a bigger thing that we can talk about with the internet too. And, but I love all the different ideas and opinions that pass my way in a day because I get to challenge my ideas and opinions. I get to hear ideas and opinions different from my own. You know, a person can only learn so much every day. You know, I miss current events all the time because I'm busy. Right. So (laughs) I think, um, One thing you mentioned is like, you don't want to be seen as an influencer or an activist because that implies that you are taking up the mantle of being the voice for your people on every important issue, basically. You know, those are the expectations that come with it. I like to say hard, fast, I'm a comedian. You know, like that means I talk about a lot of things and I get very angry on my social media. (laughs) But at the end of the day, like my job is to process all of that information and find a funny way to talk about it on stage, not even talk about it online. You know, like I share my personal opinions online, but when I get to the stage and I'm doing my job, it's like, let's find the funniest way to talk about this. And I think, you know, what you are saying you do is you are looking at the world through your very queer lens <laughs> and and processing the information you're getting and talking publicly about the things that you have spent time understanding that's like that's all you're you are trying to do and for a long time, um, you know, being someone who's very outspoken, you know, myself, lots of times people are like, you have to have an opinion on these things. And it's like, I do, but this is an impossible conversation to have on Twitter. This is an impossible conversation to have in my Instagram comments. You know, that's why I've started turning comments off. Cause I'm like, if you want to share your opinion, don't use my page as a way to get your opinion seen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 
I might be someone who speaks up and speaks out, but that does not mean I am not entitled to my own opinions. <laughs> and that does not mean that I have to hear everyone else's. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I hate turning off comments. I have to say, I hate turning off comments. I honestly do it as a protection for my soul, but I try not to do it if I can help it because I don't want to hamper conversation. But sometimes it's like, I don't want to hear any more negative, ignorant, backwards opinions on this conversation. Like, I literally know what's true. And and if you want to spread a lie, you got to do it somewhere else. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But like, this is, this is my thing. And, and mm-hmm. when I talk to people whose primary form of entertainment is like off of social media, I feel like I have to make the point that like, you know, you're a drag artist, you're a stage entertainer. Like you have all these things. I'm, you know, I'm working on some different things. Mm-hmm. I have my podcast. If you like my voice, listen to it. <laughs> but for the most part, like my work is the social yeah. media component. Mm-hmm. And so, and one of the things that drew me into this, honestly, was like the community building that's possible online. I love like just creating community from people who follow me, people who don't follow me, just like bringing people together with this content, whether it's serious stuff or not serious stuff or funny stuff or, or personal stuff, whatever, just like bringing people together and like, finding the humanity in a, in a medium that is so innately inhumane. And so I, I hate turning off comments because boundaries are, are so important and, and protecting myself is so important. But the reason I got into this in the first place mm-hmm. was, you know, cause it's fun to bring people together and, and, and do all of that. Um, the, but it, you know, it's a catch 22 because then so many people follow me now. <laughs> so many, I, I will say it. I'm aware. So many people follow me now. And you, um, in the process of that happening, and I'm sure you understand this, Jinx, like you do become more of a symbol for, you know, whatever people want you to be a symbol for Mm -hmm. instead of like a human being. Yeah. And I try to always remind, you know, anyone who chooses to engage with my stuff online that like, guys, like I'm a 24 year old, like I said, like live in my Mm -hmm. one bedroom apartment. Like there's not a machine that's creating this content. Like, you know, I'm not a news source. I'm not CNN. I don't have the resources, the time, the desire to, 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 to do or be everything that everyone wants you to be all the time. And so I'm just, I'm a human being. And that's, again, it it relates back to like why I'm wary of the word influencer or anything that makes me appear like I'm standing on a hill above people because I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for, for people who have chosen to follow along, but I just want, you know, I think everyone should have, um, reasonable expectations of each other. That, that, that Matt, (laughs) that Matt. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. <laughs> and also on the roommate thing, I just remember like 
That was always inconceivable to me that someone who could afford to live alone would choose not to. Because like <laughs> the second the second I was able to move into an apartment with just myself, I was like running at the opportunity. Because I'm like very much an introvert. Um, uh. I love, I can spend days on it and just without seeing anybody and just kind of like on the internet and with my podcast. And I'm totally happy doing it. But then I learned not that long ago, and I don't know if this is still true, but I heard that like Bella Hadid had a roommate. And I was like, Bella Hadid? (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, we have to, like, she needs someone to negotiate her contracts better if she has a roommate's job. (laughs) So, but that's the thing. It's like, we don't know other people's business. We just know, we hear one thing. And and that's kind of where, you know, like, in my notes that my producer collected for me, you said something I think which is very astute. And it's kind of like we've been talking about it the whole time without saying it directly. But the internet is a double-edged sword. And what I really like about what you've been saying about leaving your comments on and, and letting that be a place for discussion and a place for connection. Listen, I did that for a long time too. And I really believe in it. And I really do believe that there's a lot of good that social media has brought to our life. It Mm -hmm. shares information quicker than ever before. I think it's putting power in the hands of the people because public opinion has like weight again, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Apparently not with conservatives because like people can blatantly lie and just be caught being an you know, an abject hypocrite and conservatives will just keep following them. I don't know what that's all about, but, um, you know, amongst sane people, um, you know, public opinion has some weight. And um, uh, so, but it's a double-edged sword because it's a scary fucking place too. You know, it's scary how quickly things can get violent and scary on the internet and how quickly misinformation can spread too and how easily it can embolden ignorant people because they have ways to back up their ignorant claims, you know? So, you know, you talked, I'm going to read the quote here, (laughs) the quote that I originally brought up and then went on a tangent about (laughs) Not everything I've published on the internet is perfect. I would argue none of it is. And I have accepted criticism many times and will always be happy to do so because I think it's how we learn. But I don't invite criticism criticism in the form of people telling me I should choke and die. Now, (laughs) I want to talk about this because... And you know what's amazing? I'm sure people got mad at me for that. They're like, well, why? They're like, well, <laughs> why, why can't, can't I tell, tell you, you to choke, choke and die? Exactly. I, um, you know, on season five of Drag Race, which is when I introduced myself to the community at large. I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got, like, I, I know how I was perceived, kind of like sweet and bubbly, a little naive, a little doofy, but really like, that is me. That is me. That's an aspect of me. That's all true. But was that, that- was that was that the little ED season? <laughs> yes, that was the little ED season. So I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I just feel like to your point, for a long time, I mean, for a long time I just like could not separate you in my head from 
your little Edie character. Like that's See? how I saw you. Just like and, whimsical. <laughs> and how we get introduced to the world is oftentimes how they will see us for until we do a rebranding, right? And I had all stars to kind of get to do that. But what that means is people perceived me and saw me through this certain lens for a very, very long time. And for me, that meant when I would get up on stage and say fuck and talk about my sex life, they were like, ooh, this isn't the jinx I signed up for. Or if I got angry about topics, they're like, I thought you were all about love. And I'm like, I am all about love. These people are not about love. And I feel like people who are all about love should call these people out, right? And so it's like people want to tell you how to be you because they've perceived you a certain way. And that is the double-edged sword of the internet. That's the double-edged sword of celebrity. That's like why, you know, all of what you've been saying about trying to keep yourself grounded in who you want to be and doing this for the reasons why you want to do it and not letting that get skewed. That was something that I really had to learn in my late 20s not to lose sight of. Because as soon as I started doing my work for the community, as in I was letting them tell me how to do my work and how to be. And it wasn't even that they were that much. It was just that there were criticisms that I was taking too hard, taking way much too hard. And and it affected how I enjoyed being myself. And who I am today is after a long journey of getting back to liking myself and getting back to liking what I do. And I think that's kind of what people are responding to in my own journey and are kind of seeing in my own journey. And I'm glad that I got that chance. But the point the, the point I'm trying to make is when you enter the public eye, you get painted a certain way and it's hard to ever be something else, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And that whole, why can't I tell you choke off and die? It's choke and die. It's the whole, um, it's just like when people say, well, you became a celebrity. You asked for this. And I'm like, no, I said I wanted to be a singer and an actor and a comedian. I didn't say I wanted to receive death threats because of the way I dress. Like, don't put words in my mouth. Don't say that because I want to be an entertainer that I somehow consented to being abused. You know, that is not true. That is a myth, like so many myths that have been perpetuated, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it, it's confusing because, I mean, first of all, just with regard to like, you're developing identity in front of people. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I started doing this stuff when I was 19. I look back at the things that I posted five years ago and I'm like, oh. God. Like oh, that, was so that was so cringe. That was so cringe. But I, I actually, sure. I actually want to stay here for just a second because I am a huge proponent of being cringe. <laughs> I think that, and and I, I say this, and I feel passionately about it because for a long time I felt really like continuously ashamed of like my being cringe at any given point in time. And you know, you you know what I mean by that. Yeah. Just like. People on the internet being like, oh my God, corny, cringe, whatever. Yeah. And and then feeling that way about yourself or how you did things three or four or five or ten years ago. And I'm sure that things that I say and do and post and share and make a podcast about now, in ten years, I'll look back and be like, oh, 
God, what an uppity, <laughs> what an uppity twink, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, like, cringe is doing anything with passion and doing anything that you love and then just, like, having time go by. Because <laughs> you will grow. That's and so you will funny. Take, it's something I, I feel, because if you, I, I see these people, and not just, like, influencers or, like, people on the internet or people working publicly as entertainers or anything, just, like, people in general, normal people with normal jobs, holding themselves back from doing things or pursuing a passion or, you know, doing something in front of people because they're like, oh, I don't want to be cringe. I don't want to. And it's like, who cares? If you cringe at yourself in a bunch of years, whatever. Yeah. You you did something that was exciting and what felt good and 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 was, again, like creatively fulfilling or whatever else at the time. And then time went by and you grew and now you look back and you're like, yeah, that's not who I am anymore, but that's who you were then. And so I'm a big proponent in cringe. My identity has changed and I have changed, but cringe is forever. And <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted to make that point. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like, I think of some of the cringiest things that I've done in my lifetime, not just as a public persona, someone living publicly, the cringiest things I've done in my lifetime. There's still things that I like, I apologize <laughs> to friends. I'm like, remember when I said that stupid thing, you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I never think about it. And I'm like, I think about it constantly. Um, the thing is, is how else do you learn who you want to be next? <laughs> other than plunging into who you are now. Also, the cringiest things still led to something in my life. You know, like, the cringiest thing I did in middle school, I used to lie about constantly. I, I chip my tooth. Everyone knows now I chip my tooth LARPing. But I used to say that I chip my tooth doing uh, 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 skateboarding because I thought that was much cooler than saying I chip my tooth LARPing. So <laughs> clearly I felt embarrassment around being a LARPer. And now I look back on it and I'm like, that taught me how to be an improv artist, you know, like my, mm. LARPing with my friends, committing to a character out in public, not giving a fuck. You know, I was like an improv uh, teammate all through college. That was a lot of fun. Improv, cringe as fuck. I look back on that, cringy as fuck. But I use it all the fucking time in my career. I used it on Drag Race. I was leagues above some girls in it when it came to improv because I had done it. When you commit to the things that you love, you might cringe about it later, but that doesn't mean it was time wasted. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, an example for me, and it's like, oh my God, it's literally, it makes me cringe to bring this up, but I do feel like it's, <laughs> it's relevant, um, especially right now. Um, you know, I your your primary thing is drag, and I think my primary thing is like learning, mm -hmm. I guess, and and education, and and it's your superpower. I'm a shapeshifter. You're like a you're um you're like an oracle. You're someone who stores the information. You're a, you're a shapeshifter, and I'm on Twitter, is what you're. You're a library. <laughs> no, I'm. You're like the um, who's the the watcher? I don't know. You're like someone in the you're you're in the in the archives. 
But you get to be pretty too. I mean, look at your nails. <laughs> oh, well, I tr- I try to be pretty, you know, and that's that's something that I care deeply about. I think, uh, as a side note, I think a lot of times people um, position vanity and and an interest in learning or intelligence as like being in opposition to each other. Um, you know, like the dumb blonde stereotype. Like you can't really care. You can't really care about how you look and care about other things simultaneously. And like, I think of myself as someone who is constantly obsessed with both being beautiful and wanting to learn things. <laughs> so whatever. Brains and beauty. Right. <laughs> and even if I don't look or feel beautiful, at least I have beautiful nails. Yeah. Um, but okay, so something that I cringe about myself, um, and this is, I mean, this is something that I cringe at. So there, there is this kind of... Um, framework for viewing uh, laws about homosexuality around the world where uh, I would say especially it's it's prevalent with like white American gays where they'll be like oh well I think it's 72 countries um, and people will be like oh being gay is criminalized in 72 countries mm-hmm. and then and and that's true um, it's like 71 or 72 and criminalized on various levels and 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 whatnot, but most of those countries are, um, you know, pro- predominantly black and brown countries. And the way that homophobia worked its way into the governing laws of of their nations are complicated and often have to do with colonialism um, from white countries, mm-hmm. from America, um, and so or from the United States, I should say. And so it's this thing where, um, that I think has become, people understand it more now than they did a few years ago, and there's more conversation about it now, but when you present this abject fact of like, being gay is illegal in 72 countries, but you don't present the context of why Mm -hmm. that is, it can come off as like, frankly, pretty racist, Mm -hmm. because it leads to these sweeping judgments about, countries and about how they treat gay people and therefore like how they view um people in general like it it kind of perpetuates um look like homophobia is never okay homophobia is never okay but there's a way of presenting complete or incomplete information that can lead to people making inferences about the type of people who live in those countries do you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely and and before i understood that nuance I was definitely a person who thought and said like, oh, being a gay is illegal in 72 countries. Mm-hmm. And I look back on it now and I cringe. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not just, for me, it's not just cringing at something that I said or did, but like a way that I fundamentally thought that was misinformed or only partially informed. And I regret that, but also... I don't regret learning and growing. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a kind of pillar of my belief system is that like, I'm never going to make someone feel badly or stupid for not knowing something because we all don't know things and like what a blessing it is to be able to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, you used the word nuance and I think that's the most important word right now in this conversation because 
This is exactly what I love about this, having a podcast and getting to do this, have a conversation. Because like I mentioned, I don't think (laughs) Twitter is necessarily the best place to have effective conversations. That's a place to more have arguments, you know, when you need to work through some rage or challenge your ideas. Instagram comment sections, not really a good place to get education, you know, but through conversation, we are able to listen to the context. We're listen. We get to listen to how a person got to a point. Sometimes when you take a quote out of context, you think, wow, that person just said something really fucked up, you know? <laughs> and then And then when you get the context, you posted about this. Um, You posted about how Demi Lovato was kind of being um, uh, crucified by the media, like turning her back on queer identities and non-binary identities, Mm -hmm. being misquoted, kind of saying like, I don't have time for it, or it's become a headache or something like that. Yes. And she was saying it's become a headache trying to explain to the rest of the world why the fuck (laughs) it's not a big deal, you know? And, and, And you put things in context. And I think, you know, like nuances, you found a way to continue to have a nuanced conversation on the internet where the internet doesn't necessarily foster nuanced conversations. And you also mentioned... The colonialisms, the colonialisms effect on really the whole world. You know, um, a, a, a guest of mine, Alok Menon, who is mm-hmm. also an influencer, also someone I follow. Like you two are kind of my guiding lights. Like before I start like mouthing off and on on an opinion, <laughs> I go check what you two have said about it, and I'm like, okay. Okay, let's. I'm already kind of thinking in line with the people I trust, you know. But colonialism is responsible for homophobia in many cases. Colonialism is responsible for transphobia and misogyny in many cases. And, you know, that's why, like, we wouldn't, (laughs) we need to have those conversations and they need to have room to be nuanced, right? And, I think since cancel culture began, everything, we got scared of having public conversations because we're so scared of saying the wrong thing. And and like, and if you say the wrong thing once, you get canceled, right? Mm. <laughs> and that brings us to where, I mean, you know, personally, I think that when religion gets involved in a topic, it becomes so hard to talk about the objective facts without people using religion as a shield. We're seeing this in America right now. We see it worldwide where governments are trying to align themselves with a religion to get away with shitty behavior towards the human race. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am fervently anti-religion. There are certain religions I have more patience for than others, but organized religion, I'm like, I'm just against it because Mm -hmm. I do believe 
it is responsible for so much of what's fucked up right now, you know? And that's just my opinion. But I'm not going to go blasting that opinion everywhere because I don't want to offend the people who I think have every right to be religious. I don't want to I don't want to welcome everyone taking their negativity out on me because I shared my opinion. It's really difficult sometimes when you want to have a nuanced conversation, but you know that the conversation has been booby-trapped. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you say, too, that it's your opinion that religion has been responsible for some of the greatest atrocities in human history, that's not your opinion. That's, that's it. I mean, true. I say it's an opinion because... I know people see things through different lenses and through different perspectives, but yes, like, yes, it's religion has caused incomparable amounts of damage on our society, our human race, our planet. Yeah. And I say that, I mean, I'm Jewish. I, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I like to say that I'm a Jewish atheist, Mm -hmm. um, which I feel like if you didn't grow up Jewish might be hard to understand, but like, Judaism is also something that is um, ethnic, as it is for me. It's like whether or not I choose to believe in God, like Judaism is in my blood in a sense because of like my family lineage and, um, you know, my name, my genetic. Like it's it's all Judaism is both a religion and an end in ethnicity. And so it's a, it's a really important part of my life um, for the culture and tradition and less so for the spiritual aspect for me personally. And that's a relationship with with faith and religion that I've, you know, negotiated throughout my life and, and as a queer person, too. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's sometimes I, I make sweep, sweeping statements about religion and then I, like, if I tweet about them, I'll usually delete it. People are like, why'd you delete your tweet? I'm like, I'll, I'll delete I'll delete another one. Trust me. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I, do, I do think we need a more... Um, I don't know. Um, the the internet, one of the hard things about the internet for everyone, regardless of your following, is that everything feels so permanent. Mm-hmm. And um, and you can't grow and you can't, you know. Because our phones can take screenshots and people can pull up things from whenever and paint yeah. it however they want to. And yeah, it's like, you know, we are at a time where we need to be having really direct, very nuanced conversations openly as a society. I used Mary and Marianne Williamson as a, as a topical, um, sure. You know, uh, I could have said Bernie Sanders, you know, like, Anyone who wants to have extremely direct conversations. Mm, I think Americans, like, here's the thing. The reason why we only have the two options (laughs) for president is because, I don't know, it's like Americans choose a certain amount of ignorance. You know, like, like there's a certain amount of, like, we just don't want to know absolutely everything because it fucking scares us, right? Like, that's why the climate change conversation has been so hampered. And I think that's why climate change deniers have followers in spite of the fact that it's literally 
I don't know, like like in how front can of you us? deny it? It's yeah. it's it's in front of us. You feel it. You see it. And 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 you have people still following them because they're scared. Because how scary is that to admit that our planet's dying? How scary is it to admit that everything we've been taught about gender, everything we've been taught about sexuality was all just a manipulation tactic from a bunch of assholes from a really long time ago? How scary is that? Like, how scary would it be to admit that the religion you've committed your life to might be based off of just one person's idea and nothing more than that? You know, like, I think fear... Fear is abundant right now. And I think that there are people trying to have conversations really directly with the public. And we are too scared to have those conversations. And those people don't end up being in charge because they scare us too much. They scare the general populace too much. Yeah, I think the core feeling of like anyone alive right now is fear and also like the feeling of being threatened and I think that governs like a lot of the way that we make decisions like people say that homophobia and transphobia isn't about fear of gay and trans people and I agree with that but I do think it's about fear of something else which is what you know a relinquishing of I sound I'm gonna sound like a loke if if you listening if you listening don't know who a loke Vade Bananas, you should absolutely look them up. They have a, a really, a lot of amazing writing on exactly what I'm about to say, but it's basically, it is fear of what would happen to their attachment to their identity if the gender binary was not so tightly upheld. I'm not saying it's the job of every queer and trans person to like give a hug to the person who just like hate crime them or whatever. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I try, me personally... I try to go about the world in such a way that I have hope that people can change and that the reason that people are the way that they are is, is a human reason mm-hmm. um, and, and that the solution to it will be equally human. I, I, I think go, that's very well said. I sound like really uppity right now, but that's no, what you I believe. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, I don't think anyone listening could misinterpret what you just said. I think... What it is, is that we, I I can have compassion and empathy for a community that's been manipulated. I can have a compassion and empathy for a group of people, right? You know, I believe that our general populace is so conditioned, so manipulated and has been for so long. We don't even know what an existence without this manipulation would be like because no one's alive still from behind, from before this pointed initiative to direct America in a certain way. Like, I'm sure you've probably posted, you do post about it. Like, a lot of what we consider natural right now, or it's always been the way, started in the 50s. Like, mm-hmm. started in the late 40s, 50s, after World War II, it was a concerted initiative to direct America in a heteronormative Christian direction. Yes. that That is fact. That is what the government set out to do. And that is what we are dealing with now. And that conditioning is so ingrained in us that it's a lot to even fathom unpacking it all. Every day I realize how I'm still conditioned. I'm still 
conditioned to have transphobic thoughts towards myself as a trans person. Yeah. So when I say people are conditioned, I'm like, I have tons of compassion and empathy for, for the fact that we are dealing with something that was started before most of us were born. For the leaders that I know are consciously playing on those fears, playing on that fear, I have zero empathy. Mm-hmm. I am ready for battle. And that's what I think we're at. I think we're at war right now. Like, I think we're at a, we're like in a moral morality war. Yeah. And queer people are being painted as the the immoral people, but the people doing the painting are the most reprehensible people amongst us. <laughs> I have to say, it feels very surreal to be 24 years old and having just found a place in the last couple of years where like I feel great about my identity, my queerness, all of that stuff. And then this like moral panic about queer adults in the United States, but it's, you know, it's expanding really quickly across a lot of countries around the globe. Um, and I know that because I get, you know, you see what's going on. And also I, I get messages, I get direct messages on Instagram from people being like, Hey bestie, like I'm in, you know, Germany or Canada or wherever. And like, the stuff that your politicians are saying has literally seeped into the crevices of our of our government and culture about homophobia and transphobia and like drag queen panic and whatever. And it's crazy because I one of the things that I love to talk about and one of the things that I love to learn about um, are American moral panics. This country is like governed and has been governed for a long time socially through moral panics, like conservative mm-hmm. moral panics about all sorts of things. And, like, I remember it was, I think, March of 2022, so like a year and a half ago, or no, maybe March of 2021. I'm actually not 100% sure. Maybe, maybe, mm, I can't remember. One of those two, one of those two marches, it was when um, Ron DeSantis signed into law the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. And now there's like a don't say gay bill in a million different states and it's gotten like way worse. And there are now, and then they started banning trans, trans healthcare for minors and then the, this and that. And then the, the drag queen terrorist threats started happening and all of that stuff. And watching the dominoes tick down one by one and watching what is not only a moral panic, but the exact same moral panic that has cycled through this country several times at this point is crazy because I have to say, like, I naively, I was in high school in 2015 when marriage equality was signed, when Obergefell was signed. And I was really sheltered. And I was like, oh my gosh, how amazing is it that I'm going to turn 18 and finally it's fully legal and equality has been reached, you know, because I was, you know, whatever, 15 or 16 when that happened. And then, and it became evident to me like quickly uh, that marriage equality was not the end all be all of like Mm -hmm. equality for queer people in this country. But also then just like watching this moral panic over the last two years, just, I mean, oh my gosh, send us backwards so far. 
But it's like, if you start learning about the, like the 19, for the 1970s, like specifically the 1970s, like around Anita Bryant. Um, Mm -hmm. Anita Bryant was, if you're listening to this, you might know who she is. If you don't, um, Anita Bryant was a pageant queen and, uh, like a singer, a pretty successful singer in the seventies. Um, and she became the face of the Florida orange, the Florida citrus commission. And this is a weird concept because the, People are like, oh, so she was the face of an orange juice brand. No, she was the face of orange juice. She was the face of like the Like Florida- how milk is like all exactly. milk works together, all citrus works together. Yes. Exactly. Like there's <laughs> there's literally in this country, there is like big orange. She was <laughs> she was Anita Bryant. Anita Bryant with her with her singing and pageant queen fame became the face of big orange. At the same time. She became the face and kind of one of the head honchos of this campaign called Save Our Children, mm-hmm. which if you're just hearing the name and it's like, oh my God, yeah, they're literally saying Save Our Children right now. Mm-hmm. And Save Our Children was a campaign, a political campaign that moved around the country trying to, because this was the time that like uh, anti-discrimination ordinances started to include gay people. So they were like, if you're applying for a job or housing or whatever, like you can't discriminate against someone because they're gay. And Anita Bryant was like, no, you should absolutely be able to discriminate against someone because they're gay, which we're having this exact same thing now with trans people. Mm -hmm. And um, the campaign had some success and then ultimately didn't. And anyway, Anita Bryant. And she got pied in the face. And we all that She got (laughs) pied in the face by a gay guy on television. But like for a minute there, she was really, really famous. She was like kind of the, the way that we say that we see J.K. Rowling now with mm-hmm. homo- with uh, transphobia. Yeah. Like, Anita Bryant was, like, kind of the J.K. Rowling of homophobia in the Absolutely. 1970s. But uh, even though, you know, J.K. Rowling's way worse because she's, like, way richer and more popular than Anita ever was. But this is all to say, like, the playbook is the same. And this is something that I talk about a lot because when you realize that it is, for the most part, manufactured at the top by conservative politicians who want to scapegoat people or um, to to distract their voting base from the fact that they're incompetent Mm -hmm. and that this is a really great way of doing it. Um, And by stirring up, you know, panics about queer people, you know, baseless panics about queer people being pedophiles or whatever. It's like, we all have to care about the children right now to, for, you know, to distract from the fact that politicians are doing nothing about school shootings, about climate change, about a shrinking middle class and rising poverty. Like, None of that. So the hypocrisy is blatant. Yeah, and that's why we're all so angry. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm just saying it's like when you realize that this is a playbook, that mm-hmm. this is not a naturally like the the save our children moral panic that's happening right now in the United States and elsewhere. It's not new. It's not natural. It didn't come up because of like oh my because of some like objective measure of like, yeah. oh my gosh, kids are being harmed. Kids are not being harmed. It's okay. This is a manufactured, it's manufactured. threat. Yeah. Exactly. And I want to take what you're saying just a step further and say, yes, um, the conservative right are playing by a playbook. Lots of governments around the world are playing by a playbook right now. And I want to sp- speak specifically about our American politicians, because that's what I personally know the most about. 
When we saw the insurrection, the whole reason why the people who like instigated and, you know, like that's why they're on trial is because they instigated and like allowed an insurrection when they had the power to stop it. And the reason why they didn't stop it is because they thought if this works, then we don't have to answer for this. I recently had this revelation that kind of made me sick and I'm going to make a big sweeping generalization, but I've been trying to figure out all this time, because if you look at the tactics that the conservative right in America are using, singling out a marginalized community, making them the scapegoat, distracting from their own incompetence, these are all things, I'm sorry to say it, these are all things the Nazis did. They're all things the Nazis did. And I'm like, how can people who say, I love America, I'm anti-fascism, and when Nazis have been the bad guys my entire lifetime, how could they do anything that resembles playbooks from the Nazi tactics? And then I realized it's the same mentality as the insurrection. If it works, they don't have to answer. If it works and they take power, they don't have to say sorry for how they took it because they'll be in power. Mm -hmm. I really think we are at this point where they don't give a shit that they are doing the exact opposite of what they say they want to do. They say they are this type of an American and then they do the exact opposite. They talk about freedom and equality for their people like Our people deserve the freedom of religion, but then they want to hamper other people's religion, completely contradicting what they're saying America stands for. And it's because they know if they win, they won't have to answer for the hypocrisy and these vile tactics they are using to gain power. Yeah, I mean, the... I mean, it's... I think there was a point where, like, comparing certain people to, like, the Nazi Germany and fascism was, like, maybe a far cry. But, like, there are certain things right now that are just, Well, like, we have Nazis in America now, so I don't feel right. bad saying it. <laughs> well, and also there are certain things that have gone very mainstream lately, which are just, I mean, it's Nazi playbook. It's the the book banning being Hello! a huge one. Like, that, I don't. The fact that Like, when that, are they going to start trying to burn art next? You know? Right. Like... <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them already... They, they are! Having, I mean, like, they're not burning art, but trying to trying to say that certain art can't be allowed in public. It's the same fucking thing. Well, and they're... Ha- <laughs> Sorry. They're, <laughs> I no, didn't yeah. even realize that until now. But trying to ban drag queens, it's the same thing as burning the art that was you know, like supposed to enlighten people and they were scared of the enlightenment. So they burned the art so people couldn't be enlightened by it. You know, it's the same fucking thing. Well, but but then people will do this thing. Like if I were to go on Twitter right now and make what I think is a very correct, I mean, it's not even a correct comparison. It's just the same thing being like the Nazis had public book burnings and conservative Christians are currently having public book, book burnings. They're not just banning them from schools, even though that's Awful, but they are literally, I mean, symbolically, they've been banning, uh, they've been burning books in group ceremonies in public. And so if I were to go on Twitter and be like, this is what the Nazis did, I would have a million people in my replies and my quotes being like, look at this, you know, um, 
you know, look, look at look at what the left does. They think that anyone who shares different beliefs, any, anyone who doesn't share their beliefs, anyone who has different beliefs than them is a literal Nazi. They call everyone Nazis. And I'm like, what are the beliefs, though? You're, yeah. And that's the thing that gets me every time. I'm, you know, they disagree with me on, on trans issues or, or gay issues or whatever because their fundamental belief around that stuff is that trans and, and queer people, adults should not exist in society and should not be able to like work in public schools and stuff like that. And then I'll be like, well, this is a fa- this fascist, that's a fascist belief that you think certain people shouldn't exist in society. And then they'd be like, they think everyone who disagrees with them is a fascist. And I'm like, what are we disagreeing on though? We're not, we're not disagreeing on like our favorite ice cream flavor. I wouldn't call you a fascist for that. I'm calling you a fascist because the things that you believe are fascist. Thank you. Matt, we have talked for over an hour and I have loved the conversation, but I do have to end it. So before I do, let me just say, I have been, the moment I discovered you, I have wanted to have this kind of conversation with you. And um, I really, I just really appreciate the way, I mean, like you're 24. I was 24 when I entered the public I, you've been in the public eye for five years <laughs> and you are doing things at 24 that I'm like, wow, I, I, it took me until my late twenties, early thirties to kind of come to that way of thinking. And you give me hope for next future generations. I think we all see it, you know, like the, the thing that we got to keep reminding ourselves is the conservative, right? They're loud, but they're dying. Yeah. They they're an animal backed into a corner. Yeah. Um a dying animal. I have no problem saying that. Matt, do you have anything you want to plug? A bit fruity podcast. <laughs> yes, I about a month ago I started my podcast A Bit Fruity. Um we release new episodes every Tuesday and every episode I'm joined by, you know, someone who can well we discuss let me say that again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I need to promote this coherently. I have a new podcast out called A Bit Fruity. We It's available everywhere you get podcasts. We uh, put out a new episode every Tuesday. And each episode focuses on just a specific thing going on in the cultural zeitgeist, um, whether that's, you know, related to queer politics or or not. Um, but And I'm joined by people who can speak more eloquently to that than I can. And, and I, you know, try to guide a conversation that hopefully you know, allows us to learn things and, um, and, and laugh. And I, I just had a really great conversation that came out with, um, the first mother who popularized gender reveals in, in the early two thousands, which was really great. Um, it was, and she totally regrets it now. And she like, she's like writing legal papers about the intersection of trans issues and abortion justice. Like she's like super fucking cool. So you think stuff like that is interesting. Um, yeah, you can find my podcast. It's called A Bit Fruity, like the, you know, euphemism for, <laughs> for, for, for homosexual. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm online everywhere as Matt XIV, like Roman numeral 14, which, by the way, is what it is because I was 14 when I made those social media <laughs> accounts. So now I'm just kind of stuck with it forever. <laughs> Matt, um, while I have this chance, I also just want to say the fact 
that you have your nails and do your makeup, but then also go to the gym and are getting your twunk body on and all that stuff. (laughs) You practice what you preach as far as gender, and I really love it. And I want to say just one last thing, a comment on something you said. Um, Around the time that Trump was happening, that whole fucking thing, and you were coming into your queerness, and you said something like you started embracing your queerness and and I have used this term a lot. When you are visibly queer, okay? When you make a choice to be visibly queer, you are sacrificing a lot of your like comfort and ease of walking through your day in public space. Mm-hmm. But you make the choice because it's important to you. Like I make the choice to dress femme because I'm a happier person, even with the discomfort, you know, like I'd rather go through the discomfort than spend any more time not being myself, you know? And, but that's why I'm so adamant about educating people so that maybe there's a day that I won't feel so uncomfortable being myself in public spaces. I have compulsory questions I ask every guest. Okay. You can answer them any way you want. Number one, who's your celebrity crush today? Oh, God. Um, oh my gosh. I literally haven't thought about that in, in a hot minute. <laughs> I, I, I have an evergreen crush. It's the most basic answer, and I'm sorry in advance, but like Go Henry, for it. Henry Cavill is evergreen for me. He can cool. just... Eat me for breakfast. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm pretty much only attracted to him as Geralt in The Witcher. <laughs> but as Geralt in The Witcher, take me, please. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but feel free to extrapolate or not. Are you spiritual? No. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it. I don't think we need to circle back there. And final question, unless you have anything else you want to say. I think Jewish atheist about sums it up, and I know countless Jewish atheists. It's well, you know what? I have I have um I'm extremely anxious, I will say. And okay. I have a um I yeah, I've taken Lexapro for for years and years, and I have a hey, really Oh yeah, I meant to say hey sis. Yeah. <laughs> you posted about Lexapro the other day. I want yes. to. Hey, no. sis. <laughs> no, I love it. I love I love my pharmaceuticals. And um, I also have just, I think as a result of my anxiety, I have a really like constant, um, sometimes frantic inner monologue that maybe can mm. be confused with spirituality. Um, mm. But no, I think, I think I'm, I'm not a very spiritual person. I don't not a very godly person. I don't have many crystals. I don't have any crystals at all, actually. And that's um, fine. Yeah, I don't. Those aren't really things that I. That's fine. It's choose. okay. But you know what? I'm. But I, I won't I, invite you to the. I won't invite you to the. You know the the moon ceremony where we dance around <laughs> naked. I mean, I I thought you'd enjoy it, but listen, any, any 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 naked dancing ceremony is something that I'm always down to take part in. Final question for you. What's your go-to karaoke song? Baby, One More Time. Perfect. (laughs) Matt Bernstein. Um, Follow Matt Bernstein. Listen to a bit fruity. Um, I just adore you. I just adore you. I I, want to gush more, but I, I feel like the gushing is implied. This conversation has been 
Wonderful. I hope everyone um, follows you and learns from the things that you've learned from. That's the thing is like, I don't feel like I'm learning from you. I feel like I'm learning from your education, you know, like because you put in the work and you give a shit. And that's, you know, Trump, Trump running for president made me start giving a shit. I'm glad to see that there were a lot of people who got activated at that time. <laughs> the call to arms. Um, Matt Bernstein, I adore you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is this where I say bye, Jinx? Yeah. Bye, Jinx. <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening to Hi, Jinx on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi, Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else, except for TikTok. I'm at Jinx Monsoon official. <laughs> and I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi, Jinx. Oh. Mom. To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.